Hello and welcome to episode two of The Private Record. Thank you for tuning in, however you are doing so, whether you're watching or listening. And frankly, I first off wanted to say thank you so much for watching and listening to the first episode of the show. The feedback, the response was overwhelming. It was overwhelmingly positive, and I, I just want to say thank you for that. And let's keep it going. Uh, obviously, uh, for everyone who did uh, listen to or watch episode one, you know that uh, the guest on that episode was quite a character let's say. Uh, and it sort of almost goes against the whole ordinary people telling extraordinary stories, which is what this show is all about. Enter our guest for this episode. He is very much sort of the consummate regular dude. He's just a guy you would meet out in the world. I like him very much. I found him to be very warm and kind. Uh, but more importantly, his story is absolutely bing bong bonkers and that's what we want it's our only criteria is your story good yes let's get you on the show and that's why we really that's the main reason why our guest for this episode lewis uh is our guest on the second episode because you know we're trying to give you the full flavor the full spectrum of the kinds of things stories and people you're going to encounter on this show so in the weeks to come the episodes to come my main priority is to sort of show that spectrum of, you know, the kinds of people, the kinds of stories and all that. So you really have a sense of what to expect moving forward. And of course, if you want to be on the show, go to theprivaterecord.com and submit yourself as a potential guest. We can't wait to hear from you. You find us on Instagram, TikTok, all socials at The Private Record. And of course, on YouTube at The Private Record. That is our official channel. Please subscribe. Please, if you're watching, like this and comment, share with your friends. I love doing this. I want to do it forever. And that will help ensure that I can. This particular story, uh, Lewis's story, there were moments during this interview that I, I remember I actually got completely lost in the story and forgot we were even on camera. So I feel like there are maybe moments where I'm just like looking like a complete moron. That's because I'm just so engrossed in the story. I think you will be too. Uh, he tells it in an amazing way. It is an amazing story itself. And I think you guys are gonna love it. So without further delay, we shall continue the regular people revolution that this show is. And I hope you love this episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I love you with all my heart. I love each and every one of you. Thank you. My name's Lewis. Uh, I'm 29 from the UK. And uh, long story short, should I say, <laughs> I got myself into a little bit of a hostage situation. Now, by this, accident. this is by accident. Uh, nobody tries on purpose to get in a hostage situation, I should hope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this is our first hostage situation scenario <laughs> outright. We've Good. had similar things-ish, but this is our first outright hostage scenario. So I'm very excited. Uh, let's get right into it. Like I say, I'm from the UK. I moved to, to where I live now back in um, 2011. I was like, I don't know, 17, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I had just begun my descent into addiction. Okay. And I was, um, I, you know, I was a kid. I was, let, let me add a caveat. I was raised well mm -hmm. and I was looked after and loved and everything like that. But something obviously just didn't um 
compute that right. And uh, I, I started using drugs. And um, I had I had just started really being a bit of a uh, of a fall off in this sense by the time that I moved to this new town. I mean, it's a couple hours away. It's not like an alien environment, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I moved here with my family, and and all of a sudden I was introduced to this new environment mm-hmm. where there were new people, and I had the opportunity to to make good decisions mm. at that stage mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like fresh start right, right you know right, 17 right. your whole life's in front of you but i didn't uh, my, my my goal like subconsciously was to go and find the worst people mm. for me the worst situations mm-hmm. danger excitement Drugs, risk, all of that sort of thing. But um, so, were you coming so then, real quick though? Were you coming? F- yeah. Like you said, fresh start. Does that mean like you were where you were before? Or did you were you already into drugs and sort of running with the rough crowds already? And then that just continued yeah. after you moved. Okay, got you. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I had started delving into into that lifestyle, and I was like, oh, maybe maybe this is. Maybe this is like where I belong. This is this is cool. This is fun. Let's just do drugs and get in crazy situations and get in trouble and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And it, obviously, everything when you're 16 seems like a good idea. Yeah. And worse so, everything when you're on drugs seems like a really good idea too. So yeah. I can attest <laughs> so to that I, as well. Yeah, I, I can into, attest to that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got into. Uh, cocaine and and methadrone and, and obviously smoking weed and acid and everything that I could get my hands on. When I when I moved to to the town that I moved to, I managed to run into drug dealers. Mm. And uh, naturally, being a, a drug addict and a drug user, you happen to run into drug dealers every now and mm-hmm. again. So I, I decided at this point I had dropped out of um, of college. Um, I had started working here, there, kind of doing a bits and pieces. But you run out of money real quick mm-hmm. when you're a drug addict. So I was like, hmm, what's the best way to fund a drug addiction? Well, I'll just get drugs and sell them. Mm-hmm. Business idea. Become a dealer. Um, Why not? Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. So I start befriending these drug dealers, and uh, and um, one day comes along where we're sort of on a texting basis, uh, and it's not just me ordering drugs at mm-hmm. this point. It's like chatting. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to take my opportunity. So I said, Well, you know, I've got a, a motorbike. <clears throat> um, I can move around quite unsuspiciously. Um, uh, I'm mobile and I don't have a job, so do you need me to to run drugs for you? Uh, and, and they were selling, you know, cocaine and methadrone. And, and I don't know if methadrone's around in America or what. I was going to ask, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, not to be confused with methadone, which okay. I think is like a synthetic uh, heroin. Yeah. It was, um, it's how it was people synthetic- kick heroin. That's what we have over here, methadone. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. And I think we use the same here. Like you would get methadone like from a, uh, a doctor, you right, know, yeah. but no, methadrone is actually a synthetic or was intended to be a synthetic MDMA. Oh, okay. and uh, the the reason they had 
synthesized it in such a way was so that it would get through regulations and you could buy it legally mm, wow okay so it wasn't illegal you yeah you could buy it online and as long as they labeled it as not for human consumption or whatever that then you could buy it oh wow um it, but it was yeah it, it became a thing in the news you know all these kids dying and all this sort right. of thing so it eventually got stamped out so it, it barely even exists here now right um, but yeah, it was real cheap and real intense and real addictive. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, I started sort of moving this around for them. And, uh, and one day the drug dealer, she was a woman. She said to me, um, I need to go out. Uh, I'm going out to this rave or whatever. Um, could you come to my house, look after my house and my dog? And uh, while you're here, I'll, I'll pay you for your time and you can use all the drugs that you want. And, of course, I was selling drugs for her anyway. Right. So I was like, awesome. Good deal, yeah. Yeah, right? So um, so I'm there, uh, there probably for overnight or something. I'm playing with the dog. And then my, um, my girlfriend at the time, she comes around. The drug dealer, she had said specifically, I don't want anybody else in my house, just you. Okay. Um, and so anyway, besides that, I still let my girlfriend around. And while I'm there, the drug dealer, she calls me and mm. she says, oh, I'm at this, this party around the corner. Um, I need some fresh clothes because I've been out for like a day or mm. I need some fresh clothes. So grab me some clothes and drop them off to me where I am. So I say, yeah, sure. I don't know what girls wear right. my girlfriend happens to be there right? <laughs> so i'm like yeah. oh what right <laughs> yeah so i'm like show me what what, what should i take to her so we're looking through the clothes in her bedroom and making a bit of a mess and, and that so i find the clothes i take them to her um a few hours later the uh the drug dealer's girlfriend uh, boyfriend comes to the house by this time my girlfriend has left mm. And he says, "Hey, I um, I got a, I got a funny request for you. I need you to make me up uh, an ounce, twenty-eight grams of fake methadone." Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And I said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> I'm like, "There's plenty of it here, man." He's like, "No, no, no. I, I want you to make a fake one." So I'm like, "Okay." And so just to be clear, you had plenty of the real stuff uh, there yes. at the house. Yeah, he says he wants yeah, a he fake says, no. ounce of this stuff. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did he, he say why at all? Like, was he okay? Nope. And uh, and uh, I didn't. I uh, hadn't made a habit of asking many questions. Right. At this okay. Point sure. Either. Yeah. And so he says, "Yeah, um, you make this up for me." So I, I weigh out like some salt and some oh, bath God. salts. And some yeah. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> so then. I pack all that up for him. I give it to him and he leaves. Anyway, a little while later, um, I don't know, maybe through that night, maybe into the morning, the drug dealer, she comes back <clears throat> and she gets into the house, say hello, blah, blah, blah. And she's walking around, she's walking around, looking a little confused. Mm. She's with a few friends. And then I just start to hear bangs and smashes and shouting. I'm like, don't know what's going on here. And she comes into the room and she says, you've stolen my money. Oh, boy. And I say, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't even know there was money. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't even know there was money here. 
She said um, there was £2,000 in cash in my drawer in my bedroom. You went in there and you stole it. I said, well, no, no, <laughs> I didn't. Right. Um, but, of course, I've been in there looking for the clothes, yes, right? So it's all, like, too, messed yeah. up. The drawers are open. Right, right, right. So it doesn't look great. Uh, so I say, no, no, no. She says, has anybody else been here? Oh, boy. Yeah. I said, no, 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 no. Just just me. Just me. Uh, she says, yeah. She says, well, you're the only person here. I can't snitch on my girlfriend at this point. And just to be clear, you don't for a second, or do you think your girlfriend saw money and just cut, took it real quick, right? You know, I... I did toy with that idea right. briefly, but to be frank, you know, she would have told me that that's what she was going to do had she okay. done, it. you right. know, yeah. like we were both idiots, but we weren't that dumb. Sure. Okay. That and would be very it, stupid and would be putting you in such a terrible situation anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm enclosed in that house, right? Yeah. So she would yeah. have had to endanger me by doing it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, ah, shit. So at this point, I'm starting to panic. I don't want um, the drug dealer to see my phone because I have been texting my girlfriend saying, oh, yeah, come around. This is oh, the address. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, uh, so I stuff my phone into the, the sofa, the, the couch that I'm sitting on, and one of the friends sees me do it. Oh, no, <laughs> dude. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So the drug dealer, she comes over. She says, give me a fucking phone. She takes the phone. <clears throat> Fortunately, she doesn't go through my messages. Okay. What she does is she goes to my contacts and looks for mum. That's worse. Yeah, that's worse. That's I the think. worst thing. What is she? What, I mean, what the, f that is an interesting tactic. I think I see where this yeah. is going, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. You can probably guess. So then she, uh, j just for context, my mom has got an idea that something's wrong. Okay. I'm out of the house way too much. Uh -huh. she, I'm losing weight. She's really concerned about me. Probably didn't know the um, extent of mm. the trouble that I was getting myself in. She, you know, she's a social worker. She probably knew mm. I was on drugs and was trying to find a way to fix it. But mm -hmm. um as you've probably experienced or everybody would have experienced, if you've got a drug addict family member, it's really, really hard to stop them yeah. from doing what they yeah, want to do. Yeah, I mean, everybody says it, but it's true. No, Nobody stops drugs unless they want to, you know? And exactly. it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's got to be so just hard. Just one of those things. Yeah. And you can't, for you can't force anybody to to quit any addiction. They, yeah. they, they have to choose to do it. Yeah. And, and so... Um, so anyway, yeah, the, the, the dealer, she goes through my phone, she looks for mom, she calls her and she said, um, I have your son. He's in my home. Uh, you need to give me 2000 pounds. Uh, end of conversation. Just that's it. Hangs that's up. That's it. Hangs up. Oh my God. At this point, yeah. I just real just a quick question at any, mm. at any point up to now, have you considered that this woman is completely lying and just wants to rip you off for money? You know what I did think at the time was I thought she, I didn't think she was lying. I did think that she was always high enough and drunk enough mm. that she might have misplaced it. Got it. 
Okay. And she might, she's been out for, I don't know, 36 hours. Mm -hmm. She's come back off of her face. I, I thought maybe the money wasn't even there in the first place and she's just lost her mind. Right. Yeah. But then when she starts demanding the money, yeah, it, it, it might have crossed my mind that uh, maybe this is just, I don't, uh, you know, I can't get out of this now. So right. this would be a real easy way to extort 2,000 pounds. Yeah, I mean, you're in such a bad situation. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah, really every uh, which uh, way, not, yeah. Not a great deal of choices uh, for, for, from, <laughs> from my perspective. But so then there goes a really long time uh, where I can't obviously leave the house. There are no follow-up calls made. Uh, she has just told her that she wants the money. And then, however long later, she makes this call again. She says, I want my fucking money. Um, your son's stolen it from me. And, you know, most low-level drug dealers aren't particularly smart most right. of the time. Sure. You know, they they make uh, certain decisions to prevent themselves getting in trouble, mm -hmm. and they're quite good at that, but they can usually make some pretty foolish errors. And sure. what she does is she gives her bank details to my mother. Wow, what the fuck? Can we just stop <laughs> for one second? I want to go back yes. for a second. Yeah. The kind of mind that procures your phone clearly you're trying to hide it it would be understandable if she thought let's say the money really was missing if she thought this motherfucker stole my money and the evidence is in the texts i'm just going to look through that that would be the first thing you would think or at least right. call history like the first thing this motherfucker does is go to your mom like that is such a weird first step like, right, and it's so it's so um it's like even if you believed that I had stolen the the money from you, mm -hmm. obviously the thought isn't I want to find out where it's gone. The immediate thought is I know a quick and easy way I can extort this money out of him. That's see, that's why so I she think, could go chase the money down. That's why it made me think: that, is she just lying entirely because she's not looking for the money? She's just looking for two thousand pounds. Immediately. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And even if you grant the fact yeah. that she really is missing this money, she is just completely letting go of the possibility of reacquiring that money and just going straight yeah. to your fucking mom. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. fucking insane. <laughs> she's, it's it like she's done this insane. before. She's like, you know what? That money's gone. I'm going this motherfucker's mom. You know, like that is exactly. just so and wild. Yeah. And maybe I can get, maybe she's thinking I can get the money and then I can, maybe I've, I can get the original 2000 right, as right. well. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. 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 And, and so however much time passes, I mean, it was, you know, a full day. And of course it was a day. I'm, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. You're held hostage for a day. Yeah. 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 At least. I mean, it, it, okay, so what is she, obviously she's got to keep an eye on you to some degree if she wants this to go down her way. What is, what does that look like? How, where is she keeping you? What, how is that? Is she fucking feeding you? Is she giving you water? How under her nope. watch are you? So I, um, I'm a, kept in one room. Uh, there is a Staffordshire Bull Terrier in there with me. Uh, and the, the <laughs> dealer's boyfriend is now returned to the house and he is there. Um, it just, you know, 
watching the door, so to speak, walking back and forth, keeping an eye out. And there were a, a couple other people floating around too. So I got a, a big ass dog sitting in there. Um, no, no food, no water, nothing. And, and you should bear in mind as well, I, I'm coming down now off of quite strong stimulant drugs. Yeah. I mean, you're an addict. Don't you need a fix at this point as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially with this like level of stress, yeah. And adrenaline. Yeah. Like everything's burning off super quick. Yeah. I haven't slept, you know, it wasn't unusual for me to not sleep for three, four, five, six days Whoa. at a time uh, and even longer. So I haven't slept. I haven't eaten for however many days. <sighs> I've got all this adrenaline, all this panic, and then I'm there a, a full day at least. Oh my and, God. Uh, Our, I mean, just yeah. to check in with your mindset at this point time like how panicked are you how scared are you or are you kind of like what's going on internally for you well i was i was pleading with her my my, my only panic was for my mom oh yeah that i was I like that yeah, first yeah. phone call was so brief yeah you know and i'm like what's she what's she gonna do for two thousand pounds she gonna kill me probably not Right, right, right. So right. she might harm me, and that doesn't scare me too much. Yeah. But now I know that on the outside yeah. of this room, my family's in a panic, my girlfriend's in a panic, everybody's scared. I don't know if the police are involved. The police arriving at the location, nobody knows where I am, but they might be able to work it out in time. Mm -hmm. Police arriving at the location is going to be a really bad yeah. situation. Yeah. And so that's what my mind was just racing and racing and racing. So I, I was pleading with her and I was saying, look, it, it's too late now. My, my family's in a panic, everything like that. I say, if you give me 48 hours, I don't know who I thought I was. I'm not fucking Heisenberg. I can't make 2,000 pounds in 48 hours. Sure, yeah. I'm selling yeah. drugs. I said, give me 48 hours, I'll come back with 2,000 pounds in cash. I, I had every idea in my head. I thought I'm going to rob a corner shop. Right. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, but I'll get you to, it's 2,000 pounds. You know, now, now I'm grown up and matured and that sort of thing. 2,000 pounds is an accessible amount of money. Right. When you're 17 and a drug addict, it's not. No, I totally get that, man. That is, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, there are parts of this story I've been so like attuned to what you're saying. I forget that you're just 17 years old. Like this is, yeah. this is crazy for anyone. 17 year olds are experience. idiots anyway. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't not be stupid when you're 17. And, yeah. and if you're also infected with yeah. drugs and addiction and mm -hmm. all these sorts of things, the like i say bad decisions are a given mm -hmm. <laughs> and they they only get worse those bad decisions as well yeah but so she she doesn't let me go my mom is uh, a middle-class woman and she's doing well for herself now at the time well she did not have two thousand yeah. pounds I, I still don't know to this day where she got it from mm. um but it was there and you know now i'm a father now if mm. if somebody called and said I've got your son. Yeah. I need to, I would find it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so she managed, um, the money goes into the bank account. And during this time, the dealer now has the, um, sense to go further into my phone. 
Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. She's now thinking, I don't know why this has only occurred to her, or if she was like, now I've got the money secured, now I can go get the rest of it right. or whatever. But now, now she said, you're free to go. She keeps my phone. And she also says, I'm going to go get your girlfriend. Where does she live? Uh, what? Dude, so I what the that. fuck do you even like? Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's never so ending. It's a fucking nightmare. It's such a nightmare. Yeah. Such a nightmare. And she's saying, I'm letting you go now. You need to give me your girlfriend's address. I've been through your phone. Uh, I'm like, I've got to have some shred of morals left. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If I if I have one last chance to make a good decision, I'm going to do it now. Oh. I'm not going to tell her where my girlfriend yeah. lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, you know, I could I could show you where she lives, but I genuinely don't know the actual address. So I can't give you something to put into a Santa, but I can show you I've got my motorbike outside. Right. She says, come in the car with me. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to take my motorbike because then once I've shown you where the address is, I can I can leave because yeah. I don't want to be there when whatever happens happens. That's smart, actually. Yeah, smarter than my brain capacity should have allowed for. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. I haven't slept for however many days. I've just been through this ordeal. Uh, it's however many days or hours later, thirty six, forty eight, or whatever it is since since it all started happening. <laughs> I'm in no fit state to be on a motorbike. Yeah. Uh, and so I get on it. They get in the car behind me. And I take this opportunity to tear off down an alleyway, turn back on myself, and immediately flee to my mom's house. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they're hot on my tail. Oh, and my God, dude. <laughs> I don't know if they know, if they can work out where my girlfriend lives. Right. I don't know if they're heading for my girlfriend. I don't know if they're following me. Right. I don't know if they know where my mom lives. Well, that's the scary thing, right? If they know where your mom lives, then they know where you live and they can wreak endless havoc if they so chose. Exactly. Exactly. And all I know, all I'm thinking when I'm like flying away on this motorbike is like, this can't end well. Yeah. <clears throat> There's not like a, a uh, mutual agreement and a handshake and a smile that this ends with yeah. at any point. So uh, I've got to do something here. So I head back, I find my mom. Obviously, my mom is distraught. Yeah. And it didn't, so my mom didn't even know that they had let me go after right. the money was paid. Yeah. So I just turn up at the door with my motorcycle helmet still on. Right. And I'm like, they're on the lookout for either me, you, or my girlfriend, I don't know what to do. And so at this point, the police called. Yeah, yeah. Had your I mother not called the, the police at this point yet? I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think she probably felt that, uh, I, I've never asked her this, I don't think. Yeah. I, I think her immediate response would be satisfy the demands, Yeah, right. ensure my safety, and... and you know, to jump back a, a little bit, yeah. my the 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 dealer, she was laughing between phone calls, taking the piss out of me because she was saying, "Your mom's just so concerned about your safety." She said, "I don't care about your safety. I care about my money." And so I think my my mom's immediate instinct is, 
get him safe, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, get him yeah. safe, do what we have to do. And the, the money is the money and the, the, the recompense or whatever is the recompense. Yeah, but, yeah. So at this point, we go to the police station. And the police then immediately enact, go and check on the girlfriend. Oh, wow. Go to the address. Yeah, they were really responsive. And all I have in my head, because I'm still an idiot 17-year-old yeah. drug addict, is I'm like, oh, I'm snitching. Yeah. You know? Also, you need a but, fucking fix now more than ever, right? Oh, dude, I was in such a bad way. I, wow. I was in such a bad way. Uh, and you know now I'm I'm not high, so you can't get away with being four days no sleep tired. Yes, yes. If you're not high, yeah. So now I'm just like delirious, and I'm like I just want this to end. And so um, I give them like the layout of the address that I had been at, so that they could go there. Um, I give them the address of my girlfriend, and then they say you just need to get somewhere safe mm -hmm. and we will deal with the rest. And so I basically flee uh, back to, to where I grew up, mm. hide out there for a little while. All the while, um, it becomes clear. I've obviously find this out at a much later date when I return back to, to where I live now. Um, so the boyfriend of the drug dealer, when he had come back for this package of fake yeah. drugs, he was doing that to rip somebody off. Yeah. Obviously. While he was there waiting for me to make the fake ounce, he wanders into his girlfriend's yeah. bedroom, sees 2,000 pounds yeah. cash and takes that yeah. with him as well. I figured as much. I mean, that has to be the, the most obvious right? thing. These people are shady as fuck. It's got to be one of the shitty yeah. people that was at the house, you know, not going to be you. There's no girl. honor among thieves, yeah. man. There, yeah. there really isn't. Uh, and, and so that is what had happened. And all, all this time while I, I've fled back um, to where I grew up, all I can think about is I've ruined so many people's lives, uh, you know, at least temporarily. I've put people in fear and all this sort of thing. Um, the the People involved are all caught and all arrested. Whoa, really? Uh, because I mean, that fucking kidnapping, um, right? I mean, that's a serious offense right there. So what? What else? What are the, exactly. all the charges? Like, what's going on? So the charges are um, common assault, false imprisonment, um, demanding money with menace, uh, all these other. Wow. There, there are a lot of things you can pull out of that ordeal mm, that yeah. are you know easily chargeable offenses. Yeah. And of course, you know, being a, a drug dealer that makes a habit of keeping people hostage and all these sorts of things, it, it, usually you have warrants out for other things too. Right. <laughs> sure, yeah. So it, it all kind of comes falling in on them. And while they're um, in custody awaiting um, charge, they're, they're also charged with a plethora of other offenses as well. Wow. And so they spend however long they do um, in, in prison. But I mean, I had, while this whole arrest process was going on, I had gone back home and I was like, maybe it might be time to get clean. Mm, might, be, might be a good idea, yeah. There was, uh, there was a small period of, of 
self-pity and just yeah. making it worse yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but fortunately, um, I got to rehab. Good. I, I did a month cold. To, I, I mean, I had, it was, I think, three weeks after my 18th birthday, I went to rehab. Oh, so you got cleaned up pretty soon after this, like really soon after this. Yeah. Yeah. Like wake up call. You know, uh, it's like this, like I say, there's no, there's no happy ending to that story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that only ends badly. Yeah. The, the guy that's off his face on drugs, selling drugs, hanging out with drug dealers, getting himself in hostage situations. You have to change that story for it to have a happy ending. Yes. It doesn't stay like that. Yes. Yes. And so fortunately, you know, with my family and everything and, and encouragement from everyone, I, I, I got clean. Um, and that was not easily done. And it did, of course, come with um, follow up issues and relapses and struggles and that sort of thing. It's, uh, you know, it's um, it's a moving target, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, but during that whole time, then they are all arrested. As I say, they're further charged and that sort of thing. But we have to go to to court appearances. And so my mum has to face these people in court and that wow. sort of thing. But they changed their pleas from not guilty to guilty on the day. So oh, wow. we've turned up to court, awaiting to to give testimony, and uh, and they changed their plea on the day. There was a little bit of bartering, like I could. They 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 said if you remove little slivers of things from from your statement, then they will change their plea to guilty, and you ah. won't have to um, go through the whole trial ordeal and that sort of thing. Which I you know I felt a little bit of a moral quandary with yep. because everything in my statement was true mm -hmm. but also i wanted it to be done yeah right, <laughs> you know right, right. i was like enough is enough Let, let's just end this yeah and so the you know skipping forward um I, I'm, I'm clean now i, I have a six-year-old son i have uh, a nice home back where all of this happened where i live now wow is, 300 meters away from where it was. <laughs> I mean, that is incredible. I mean, usually people yeah, are like, I, I walk past it every day. Get me out of that place. I don't want to think about it, but you stay. I mean, it's actually all the more impressive that, and actually, that makes me want to ask, why did you put down roots right there? I mean, it's so easy to say this place is bad vibes. I got to get the fuck out of here. Don't want any visible reminders. What made you stay? So when I when I left and and got clean, my mom stayed here. Mm. And so when I, you know where I was, you know, not to go into detail, but where I was, I didn't want to stay. I didn't, wasn't particularly at home mm. with my mom. Wherever my mom was 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 home. Mm. And so at first I came back, and paranoia was too much for me. Yeah. It, Everywhere I went, I was waiting for somebody to jump out of a car. I did have encounters with with um, affiliates and that sort of thing, and and I was like, this is not this is not where I need to be. But then after enough time, where the sort of panicky feeling wore down, I was like, actually, I'm not going to put myself in that position anymore. And I'm not going to let a location, because the people aren't here. So I'm not going to let the location beat mm -hmm. me. Yeah, I'm not going to be not in this place 
just because I made terrible decisions in this place. This is a great place. Mm. It's a good place for my son to live and everything. You know, we have the ocean there mm. and the hills there. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that own me, you know? <clears throat> so over time, I, I became accustomed to it. And, and interestingly enough, um, about, so this was, 2012 that the sentences were handed down and i think one of them was um nine years Whoa. or something seven to nine years the original charge for the crimes they committed against me were, were lower but with everything else yeah. they were re-arrested for while in custody made it worse um <clears throat> but so maybe three years ago i'm going for a run up up the hills and i'm on my way back and uh, I'm running along the road, and I see the dealer that kept me hostage. Calm the fuck on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I see him from a distance, but, I mean, I could draw that face yeah. very accurately for the rest of my um, life. It's I'm imprinted on I'm your like, mind, yeah. Exactly. And I recognize this so quickly. And, and I'm running, and she's standing at the back door of a car. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to change path. I'm not going to, you know, I'm. Oh, wow. This is just, this, this is me and this person now. And if, if we need to hash out anything that we haven't since 2012, then, then I guess we'll have to do that. And as I'm running, she, she reaches in the back of the car and pulls out a baby in a baby seat and, and puts it down on the side, starts unclipping the baby. And I look up at her and she looks up at me and we recognize each other. And it was just, I don't know, two seconds of recognition. And then she looks back down at the baby, picks the baby up and takes it into the house. Oh my fucking God. And I'm like, man, her life has changed as much as mine has. <laughs> like, that's good. Because you know what? I thought that when I next saw her, it was going to be like seeing the devil. Yes. Yes. And, and really all it was, was seeing another person that made horrendous fucking decisions yeah. in their life and immoral decisions and selfish decisions and they were all influenced by drugs and then once we've both found a good path we we've both just made better decisions and i'm like well i'm happy for that i don't have any ill will toward anybody that was involved in those couple of days because we, we were all under the influence of the same drugs we were all under the influence of the same selfishness and and uh, you know moral gaps and mm. And I think if I were willing to do immoral things, which almost anybody who's an addict with no money and no, uh, you know, sense of direction is willing to do, then I, I'm not going to judge them for, for doing that either. And everybody survived. Uh, we all carry uh, whatever scars that, that we carry and that sort of thing, but but everybody's okay and, and that's what matters. And it I guess you could say it all turned out okay. <laughs> I mean, a circuitous route, you might say, but yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's, for sure. It is, I mean, as far as these things go, what you might call a happy ending after all. I mean, that is, yeah. considering the drama, the stakes, the potential just violence, the potential horror of that scenario could have gone, even after that day, a number of ways I can think of for it to go sideways on you, on your mom, on and a whole bunch of horrible things come to mind. Exactly. But I, I'm I'm I am curious about that interim period 
after you know it goes down you go to your mom's and then you skip town for a minute while the police do their thing Mm -hmm. you're away for a while you come back right when you come back how like you meant you touched on it but i am just curious to just hit on it for a little bit longer like how how is that paranoid effect, paranoia affecting your life? I mean, I'm picturing myself in your shoes, knowing my own mind, I would just never be able to relax. Uh, even yeah, at, even at home in my own bed, you know? A hundred percent. You know, you hear a car door slam and you're like, are people rushing out of their car to come get me? Right. If, if uh, one thing I noticed is if I, I'm walking down the, the, the path, next to a road and if the car that was driving on the road pulled up to park or something like that i would turn right. and i would think that somebody was pulling up to to come grab me and that sort of thing and yeah. uh, it was into you know i would keep my journeys from one place to another as short as possible but i think the like a lot of things the the passing of time made it lighter yeah. and lighter and lighter over time. And sometimes that can be a bad thing. You know, sometimes you can fall mm-hmm. into a false sense of security mm-hmm. and, and get, you know, caught lacking. But really what it did was prove to me that there weren't any monsters hiding in the bushes and that what had happened had passed in everybody else's minds more than it had in mine. And I was more paranoid about it than anybody else. Yeah. Right. And I was thinking that something bad was going to happen more than anybody else. Somebody that, you know, uh, like I said, I did have a couple of brief encounters with people, but this was immediately after I came back. And really, other shit happens in people's lives yeah. and they go on their, their merry way. Yeah. You know, and you, the, that's kind of paranoia. Paranoia, a lot of the time, well, for me at least, was kind of, um, like narcissistic almost. Mm. I was like, everybody's out looking for me, yeah, you know, right, yeah. and somebody's coming to get me. And realistically, they weren't. Most of them have forgotten who I was. Mm. And even, and it just goes to show, you know, that when I do pass the the main perpetrator so many years afterwards, the, they just give me a brief look and, and then carry on with their day. You know, yeah. I, I like to think that <clears throat> everyone involved Probably like I did, getting clean yeah. and have being forced to get clean and and having to reconcile your life and your decisions and everything like that. Perhaps they saw that this was all just a giant fuck up. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. this was not the way to go. This was there were no good decisions made down this path. Yeah, and that, like you say, it could have ended up so much worse for literally everyone. Yeah everybody involved you know? yeah i mean absolutely and i'm grateful for that you know yeah. like i say I, I have a great life now yeah i mean that's you know? i mean that is <laughs> what can i say is everything how often do you think about this because i'm you know you talk about the paranoia you talk about the brief little run-ins you had that might have been like spikes in your blood pressure or whatever constantly looking over your shoulder loud sounds how much of <clears throat> i guess it's a two-part question but how much of that do you think was more PTSD than anything else. And also now, how much do you still think about this? Because this it's such a, when you think about the day-to-day life of anyone, right? It's just mostly just, no matter 
you 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 adjust to a crazy life. Like even if you have a crazy life yeah. to that person, it's just for you. Yeah. In your life, it's and then it just keeps going, right? So it's like that brief period in time was so hectic that it's yeah. imprinted, as you said, the woman's face is just in your mind and you could etch it yeah. in a heartbeat. Like how much do you still think about it, if at all, except for times like this, when you think, oh, I got a crazy story. Or And also yeah. back then, how much do you think you were affected by the sort of post-traumatic effect of it all? Well, it's a really good question because I was talking to to my current girlfriend, uh, you know, six months ago or something like mm -hmm. that, and uh, I'd been to the the doctor for something trivial, and up on the wall, uh, they had uh, a leaflet for PTSD, mm. <clears throat> and I just picked it up because I was flicking through the leaflets and that sort of thing, and. Uh, I, I remember coming home that evening and saying um, to my girlfriend, I've never once um, considered that I might have experienced trauma. Mm. That had never wow. come to mind. I, I never thought of that as a traumatic experience. I thought of that as a combination of bad decisions for which I could learn from mm. and do everything in my power to not let happen again. Right. And so... With in, in terms of thinking about it, I guess I had barely thought about it. And then somebody would would bring something up and I would say, like you say, I got a crazy story. This yeah. crazy thing happened once. And they would be like, you know, that sort of thing doesn't happen in normal life. Right, <laughs> Those right, things right. aren't supposed to happen. Right? And because I had um, adjusted myself to this lifestyle mm -hmm. and I, I, I wanted that lifestyle, I thought that that was just a part of that. This is just the crazy shit that happens when you live around drugs right. and all that sort of thing. Whereas actually it's something that you need to decompress at sure. some point. Yeah. You know, you, you can't just carry that around because uh, like you say, it's like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had just pushed that spike somewhere yeah, else and yeah. then it would come back and I'd be like, geez, yeah, that was, that was fucking scary, yeah. man. Yeah. And then it was gone and then it's gone. Right. And you know, if I, if I see something that might remind me of it, then maybe, but like I say, I walk past the house where it happened all the time. Yeah. So I really felt like I was confronting it, but what I was doing was, was assuming that that was a part of my life yeah. and that was it. Right. And you know, you, you have to, you, people, I heard somebody say once, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Mm -hmm. And that's no matter what, mm -hmm. you know? So I've always just thought of, oh, worst things happen. You know, yeah, yeah. Th that was just crazy. But that was, that was back then, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, this crazy shit happened. Whereas actually there's something that you need to confront as you become an adult and yeah. because otherwise you carry it with you. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a six year old now. If, if I'm too, combative against him as he gets older you know going near drugs or right. going near a situation that might lead him there then i'm probably going to make it worse yes, right yes, so yeah. so yeah I, i've tried to to try and like i say decompress that situation a little bit more now that i'm older and that i can understand it from a mm -hmm. from a real perspective but i 
like I say, no, I, I never really thought about it much at all uh, until now. Yeah, you know? and yeah. and I think of it in a different perspective. You know, also it's interesting. I think of myself thinking, how could he still live there? I would move as far away as fucking possible. But being there and staying there, it's almost its own form of exposure therapy, which is what psychotherapists yeah. and psychologists always say is the way to get past fears is to, you know, usually incrementally expose them to what they're so afraid of. Uh, and then exactly. a little bit more, and then a little exactly. bit more, and then a little bit more. But for you, being there around the clock and just, as you say, going by the house, running into the people that were involved, you know, by now it's almost like through your lived experience, you've therapized yourself possibly almost because maybe, most people maybe. push it away, push it away, push it away. I myself would do that too. But by staying yeah. in that, that, that melee, it's just like, it's, 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 you're exposing yourself nonstop and you're sort of getting used to it and not letting the trauma and the spike of it control your mind. You're sort of quelling it by just being inside it. You know, it's kind of an interesting metaphor. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know there's no monster in the bushes until you look in the bushes, right? right? So you yeah. could avoid the bushes if you want to, mm -hmm. but then you're always going to wonder whether there's a monster in there or not. Yeah. And it was, it was exactly because I was sort of semi-forced back into the area because right. I wanted to be with my mom. Mm -hmm. I, I was, like you say, I was exposed to it. And so then after time, I realized that there's nothing out there waiting to grab me mm -hmm. and that it's okay and that you're safe and everything like that. And now it's, it, it's like a fuck you to the trauma. You know, I'm not going to, you're not going to scare me away. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to come back and I'm going to face it because I know that there's no monster in the bushes. Yeah. So it's okay. And, and I'll, I'll deal with it on a day to day, you know, and, and like you say, it did work out you know, measurably happier in the end than it could have. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's a lesson learned. If yeah. I'll say a massive lesson indeed. Uh, two more things just stood out to me. One mm. is that even in your sort of, um, corrupted state at 17 on drugs, doing whatever you were doing, it's an illustration of, <laughs> how to be a good boyfriend even when you're a shitty person and how to be a bad boyfriend sure. even when you're when you're a shitty person because you sure. refuse to take those people to your girlfriend's house while the dealer's boyfriend is the whole root of the fucking problem in the first place stole money from his <laughs> yeah, fucking so girlfriend true. you know so <laughs> yeah. you know honor among no honor among thieves but you know there's still like a bit of gray to that whole spectrum anyway, you know, you can still have a bit yeah, of morals I, I never actually thought of that. in the midst yeah. of all this crazy shit. But also I was, it's just a quick question. I, I, I'm sure there are people out there who are addicted to drugs and, or at least buy drugs recreationally. And they think, but I know my dealer and my dealer mm. would never pull some shit like that on me. And maybe they're right. But, I'm curious as to what your relationship with your dealer was like up to that point. Obviously, there was some familiarity and some friendliness yeah. if she's asking you to watch her house. But like, yeah. how well did you think you knew this person before that all went happened? It's interesting that you say think you knew this person mm -hmm. because I, I did think that I had some sort of a, a friendly enough relationship mm. with her. And, but I know now, obviously, that I was just a useful idiot 
and that I was willing to do whatever she wanted me to do as long as I had a, a constant flow of drugs. Right, yeah. Um, but but I also thought, like, maybe she'll, like, respect me mm. or maybe it makes me cool or whatever the fuck. And I thought, well, I'm gaining something out of this relationship as well. But, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is if, if your drug dealer cared about you, they wouldn't be your drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's very well put, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you uh, – but I knew that even at the time, I knew that this wasn't uh, like equal – Mm. fair loving relationship sure. and i also knew that i was getting something from her i wasn't offering to help her because uh, i wanted to be helpful only right. i also wanted the drugs right 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 yeah if there was no source uh, for me to feed my addiction through her i i wouldn't have offered that that you know olive branch yeah um but we would so like i would order drugs from her probably every other day something like that but i i noticed that she would um she would answer me even when the you know the line was closed so to speak mm. so usually they weren't selling the drugs at right. past 3 a.m right, or, right, right, or whatever right. and she would say yeah that's fine I'll, I'll, I'll send somebody to meet you and that's so i was like oh is she nice you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well what a you know and I, I i guess i don't know if she was ever doing that from uh manipulative sense from the beginning mm. or if that was just she was actually just available at that time or whatever but she probably saw me as a dumb 17 year old that if she went an extra step for me mm. she could get me to do whatever the fuck she wanted and, and i'm sure that extended into the extortion of the money as well mm. right you right, know right, if right. she if she had somebody that she didn't know too much about or or was a bit more of a threat to her she probably wouldn't have left them in her house and then even tried to get the money out. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, you know, we were manipulating each other. Yeah. It was just that I was a lot more vulnerable than she was for sure. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it is just such a transactional relationship, no matter what, you know, without the By drugs, definition. you wouldn't be friends, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Um, but, you know, Matt, you would be amazed at how many people think they are friends with their drug dealers. Yeah, no, that's why I brought it up. I mean, it, it makes sense. And, it, I, you know, back when I used to dabble myself, you meet a drug dealer yeah. and you think, wow, that person was so nice. That's, that yeah. is so nice. And it, it, it's true that it is nice because it's nicer to go through a drive-through and meet someone who's selling me my fucking Happy Meal with a smile than it is with a, with a fucking sneer. But like, yeah. it's the same thing. Like that doesn't mean we're Absolutely. friends. It means that like they want to keep their job or whatever. They happen to be in a good mood at that moment or, or it's better for business to be nice. It's but sales. once things yeah. go sideways, they're not going to not fucking kidnap you you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so exactly. And sometimes you have to learn that the hard way. Yeah. As you did on behalf of as all of us, you bore the brunt of, uh, this experience and now we can all learn, um, through you. I mean, that is, that is a truly, uh, harrowing, but incredible and at times hilarious story. I mean, I can't believe that that is true, but, it, but it just goes to show that, you know, the best stories, if you made that, if you, if you made them up, wrote them down, and turned them into a movie, people would be like, "That's bullshit. That would never happen." 
but like yeah. the re- that's where yeah. the you know truth is stranger than fiction thing comes up it's just yeah, that's what there's, there's say. truth exactly. to that it's just real life is sometimes just the most fucked thing that could ever possibly happen um but it's so precious yeah it is and you know you made it out and as you said it's good that the, that the person that even held you hostage is seems to be out and she's clearly a mom now and that's a good thing yeah um and that makes me happy yeah. uh, you know i never thought that at the time but yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely pleased to see that i'd rather see somebody um you know repent so to yeah, speak yeah. and 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 be a better person in the future than just suffer for what they did yeah i mean that's that's true i mean if somebody can go through whatever penance whether it's personal or external like you know in prison but you yeah. know if you can come out the other end and be better off for it and you know there are some crimes that you know if you kill people maybe it's harder to root for you to be a better person at the end of the day maybe yeah. you belong in, to rot in a jail but like you know, Absolutely. you are here, you're smiling, you have a family now, you're happy. And so it's good that everyone can sort of uh, move on from it. The boyfriend who stole the money, and I don't know if I could say the same for him. That was a pretty shitty move. Uh, exactly. He's not that's ch- where you could draw the line, yeah, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Where, yeah. You know, people yeah. making bad decisions yeah. and being selfish. And then there's yeah. some people, you know, they're just bad. It is funny. <laughs> it is funny that at the end of the day, that motherfucker caused all of this the guy that made you make fake whatever the fuck synthetic yeah, MDA, yeah. uh while there was real shit in heaps yeah. just in the house also that tells you everything i right? mean what a fucking there's always that one motherfucker and in this case it was him uh it was him <laughs> all right man. well if there's any i mean I, that is amazing thank you so much for coming on and telling us this story this thank is amazing. you man thank you and by the way i, I i'm a big fan I, oh. I really am and it was awesome to come on i'm really glad i got the opportunity to to speak with you and uh, i'm grateful for it all i really am well thank you man i appreciate that and uh we'll be in touch we'll certainly let you know when the episode's released awesome thanks so much man thank you Take care.